So this is the second talk on temptation, on resisting temptation. Last time I spoke to you, I kind of the, given you the basics. I probably talked about too many basics, but really just living, living the gospel, ways to avoid situations that are tempting, what do you do if you were in the middle of temptation, what do you do after temptation, whether you were successful or you fell into sin, or what do you do in those situations? So we covered that last time. So today I wanted to zoom back in a little bit more on St. Augustine, but also St. Paul. I had shared with you that St. Augustine, he's a great example of someone who struggled seriously with temptation and failed repeatedly. So he had that great prayer, oh God, give me chastity, just not yet. Not yet, because uh, he was too attracted to sin and he didn't think that he could live without it. Eventually, he did break free and he tells this story in the book he wrote called The Confessions. And in there, the story is that he was just in this turmoil of struggling and wanting to, to give up especially sexual sin, but totally not being able to, feeling too weak. And uh, he was in the, his garden sort of struggling with this. And he heard over the wall a kid's voice, little children just sort of chanting, saying this thing, tole et legere, which is the Latin for take and read, pick up and read. So he heard this as sort of like a word from God. So he runs into his Bible and he kind of randomly opens it up. And it comes to Romans 13, verse 14, which is put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to satisfy its desires. This was sufficient. This was the thing that enabled him to break free. St. Francis de Sales talks about this, especially when you're in bad relationships, whether it's the, the, you know, the full-on sexual relationship that Augustine had with his mistress, or it's just bad relationships. And, and St. Francis de Sales says, you can't just slowly end them. You have to break them. You have to cut. <laughs> he, he goes into all of these descriptors of how severely you have to just just end it. So this is, I think, somewhat of, of what the word that sort of inspired uh, St. Augustine. So he was able to break free from that relationship, still look after his, his son and, and his responsibilities there, but he got free of his, you could say, addiction to, to sin and started to put on the Lord Jesus Christ to start to really live full on the gospel life. But how, how can we look at this to really help ourselves to apply this? Because it Romans 13, 14 can be hard to apply and understand what it means. So to do this, we're going to do a little bit of Bible study. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, especially verses 16 to 25. I'm not going to read through it. You can do that yourself. There's a couple of key passages in there. In Galatians 5, 16, St. Paul says to us, I say to you, this is St. Paul speaking, I say to you, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. The other way you can translate it is, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then he digs in more into what this means. So this is really, really important. It's very similar, if you, if you pick up, it's very similar to Romans 13, 14, probably because it's written by the same guy. So what he's saying is, if you walk by the Spirit, you won't, you'll, be, you'll have some grace to not satisfy the desires of the flesh. Or similar to Romans 14, walk by the Spirit and don't gratify them. So very similar in that, in that regard. But this, this other translation, this uh, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify. There seems to be more than just do this thing by your own strength. Uh, obviously, we can't do it by our own strength, but there's something about this, this, under, this meaning, whatever this idea is of walking by the Spirit or, as he says in Romans, 
to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is that thing that could then really help us to not satisfy, gratify the desires of the flesh? As he goes on here in this section of Galatians, he says a couple of things. He says these desires of the flesh lead to works of the flesh, or you could say acting out on these desires. So you have a desire to do something and you do it. And he lists all of them and you can go ahead and read that. And it's all sorts of sin, especially sexual sin, but division and anger and wrath and murder and sorcery and fornication and all sorts of things like that. So it's, it's pretty strong language. It's really good to read that and to realize they, they are the works of the flesh. This is what happens when we give in to the desires of of the flesh. And St. Paul tells us that these desires are at war with other desires, the desires of the spirit. Hmm. He says inside of you, there is a war going on and they're completely opposed to each other. Just as the desires of the flesh lead to works or actions of the flesh, so too he says these desires of the spirit. He doesn't say then the works of the spirit. The spirit. He says fruit of the spirit, that there's fruit of the spirit going on inside of you, that these holy desires lead to these holy fruit, which is interesting. Now, why would he use that word fruit? Because a fruit is both something that attracts you and it's something that's produced by an action. If you use this word fruit, then it sort of means desires and actions, which I think is, is kind of cool. So he then lists them. He says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, other stuff, self-control. <laughs> Take a look yourself. These, all of these are desires inside our hearts. And they also then lead to those actions that we act upon those. We act in a faithful way. We act in a self-controlled way, a loving way, a peaceful way. But also then, of course, these then produce more fruit. And those fruit are attractive to us. They feed us, right? Fruit is a food. So doing this is, is something really delightful. It feeds your spirit. It feeds your soul. And it produces the, an increased desire to do even more of these things and an increased desire for a, a greater and greater abundance of this. So it's like a garden. It's like a return to the Garden of Eden. And I do believe this is something of what St. Paul maybe is touching on in this. Just as there was a, an evil fruit that Adam and Eve were tempted to, or a good fruit maybe that was, that they had to disobey God in order to eat, so too there are really, really good fruit in the garden of your soul. Eat them rather than the evil ones. Does that make sense? So what does this mean for you and me? What does this mean maybe for St. Augustine? When you're experiencing temptation to do evil things, it's a good thing to stop and realize, oh, there's actually good temptations in me too. We don't really call them temptations when they're good, do we? We call them desires. Good, holy desires. So you don't just have to kind of go, oh, I'm really struggling with this temptation. And we end up focusing on it and it just gets stronger and stronger because we can't take our eyes off it and we really want to do it. Rather, if you kind of go, wow, yes, I really have that temptation. I wonder what holy temptations are going on inside of me. But often we can't hear those because we're so focused on the bad. But you can just stop and go, wow, do I have a desire for anything good right now in the midst of my temptation? Love. Do I desire love? Yes, I really do. I desire to love and to be loved. Do I desire peace? Yes, I definitely do. Ah, oh, the calm. Not just human fleshly peace, normal peace, but the, the peace of the spirit, which is the most extraordinary, rich, embracing peace you've ever experienced. Do you have a desire today for joy? And joy, it doesn't just mean happiness. It means rejoicing, overflowing with joy. And, and it also means to enjoy. Do you desire to enjoy God and his good things, to take that, those fruit and to eat them and to just delight in them? And you could go through all of these fruit that Paul lists and you will find in yourself, I think you might be surprised, even in the worst temptations and you're just a hair's breadth from giving in. And you realize, wow, 
the Holy Spirit's right here on the edge of the cliff. He has this little tree with some really nice fruit on it and he's dangling it in front of you. He's like, go ahead, go ahead. And we're usually ignoring him. But if you will just turn your attention, there he is. And all you need to do is to, to say, you know what? I'm going to do something to satisfy those desires, those holy desires. I'm going to take the, I want to love right now. How can I love? I'm going to, I'm going to start to make acts of love for Jesus right now. I love you, Jesus. I'm going to start making acts of peace or joy. I'm going, to, I'm going to start seeking the joy of the Lord to enjoy him. How can I enjoy him right now? How can I act in a self-controlled way? So this isn't about you trying to just muscle through with your will. This is about you following the Holy Spirit as he leads you out of sin into grace, into victory. And I believe this was something of what St. Augustine experienced because to walk away from sin doesn't just mean we have to let go of everything that's pleasurable in this world. Like, no, 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 <laughs> that is a lie of Satan. He wants you to believe you have to give up everything good, happy, joyful, and pleasurable in this world to follow God and that God just wants you miserable. No, God wants you ridiculously happy and rejoicing with a joy that, that, that the devil and the flesh can never give you, a deep, deep, satisfied, fulfilled joy. But to do that, we do need to follow him. Yes, we do need to say no to evil in our lives and to temptation in our lives. And that can hurt and that's got the cross in it. So he is inviting us to grow up and to, to seek his good things because he wants to spoil you rotten. He wants to pour his sweetness in your soul. Give it a go. I think you might find this really helpful. Hopefully. God bless you.